Well, this morning we're going to uh, go back and pick up our study through the uh, book of John. Um, so we're at the very end of chapter 17. If you've got a Bible, uh, why don't you get it and uh, turn to chapter 17 in the book of John. Uh, and we're going to study just the last couple of verses in Jesus' great high priestly prayer. What a powerful prayer that is. And uh, I think it would be an encouragement to any Christian to uh, just regularly to read that chapter, chapter 17 of the book of John. It's a pretty good summary of the whole book of John. I wanted to begin this morning by uh, asking you to think about how you're feeling these days. <laughs> uh, talk to uh, people who are feeling fearful, stressed, uh, powerless, there's a lot of things happening in the world that uh, there's just literally nothing any one of us can do anything about. Uh, and so it tends to be a time of stress uh, with this pandemic. You know, we, we're locked in our houses sometimes. We're, we can't see people we care about. We can't carry on life as we normally would like to. And... Uh, and we have this virus just sort of looming over the whole situation. And uh, we had a case here in Bonaire just in the last couple of weeks, uh, a relatively young person who uh, lived by himself and uh, uh, died uh, in his house by himself. And uh, what a horrible story that is. And, um, so we uh, get to be a little afraid. We can't avoid the reality of death in a time like this. But this morning, I wanted to talk about this, these, these couple of verses. And I wanted to start by uh, noticing that even if I don't feel this way, if I'm not afraid, uh, feel uh, my personal powerlessness, uh, there certainly are people around me in this world who do feel that way and maybe in a very acute way, very serious way uh, during the times we're living in today. And I think what we have in this text is sort of a key to courage uh, in a difficult time. Let me, I just want to read, uh, I want to go back to verse 20 and read to the end of the chapter. Uh, in verse 20, Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, just these disciples in the room with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And so we know that this prayer of Jesus, where he prays for his disciples, that uh, all of these things that Jesus prays for, for them, also apply to us. We are those who will believe in him through their word. Anyway, he says, I'm praying for them also that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them. That's an important expression. I in them and you in me, 
that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And now the part we want to look at today. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I in them. Now, what I'd like to do to look at this text is sort of turn it upside down and start at the end and work our way back to the beginning. That might seem a little unusual, but what you have at the end is sort of uh, the goal of all of this, and that is Christ in us. He says that the love with which you've loved me may be in them and I in them. Christ in us. Well, what do we mean when we say Christ in us? You know, we've seen this before in this text. He said, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, just as we are one. So there's a unity of the Father and the Son, a union. And so we are to participate in that. And ultimately that results in the world knowing that Christ sent, or that the Father sent the Son, Jesus Christ. And he says here, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these, these disciples, and I think we would extend that to be us, know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So what do we mean when we talk about Christ in us? Well, I think we mean that Christ abides. That's the term from chapter 15 uh, here in the book of John. Christ abides or lives in us. The word in also means among. Uh, So when Christ uses this expression, in them, he doesn't say in each of them. He says in them, and that can, we could translate this uh, with the word among. So Christ in our fellowship. So the life, I think when he says I in them, this is the ultimate goal, Christ in us. He means the life that lives in me, in you, and in the fellowship of the church is the very life of Jesus Christ. We've read in the book of John that uh, God the Father has life in himself and he's the source of life. And that Christ has life that because the Father has given the Son life in himself as well. And he dispenses that to whomever he wishes. Uh, So the very life of Jesus Christ is the life that 
uh, a Christian possesses and that the body of Christ together possesses. So in me and in you and among us, this life. It's the very life of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. And we could see this all the way back in chapter 1, where we read this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. (laughs) And so Christ in us is the life of Christ in us. Now, I think this is the distinction between being alive and being dead, ultimately. As we learned last week, it's in our union with Christ in his resurrection that we are resurrected. In other words, we are alive with eternal life and uh, not dead any longer. As the scripture describes in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Or in Genesis chapter (laughs) 3, or chapter 1, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so uh, it's in fellowship with God in Christ that we have this life of Christ. And so when Christ says that, the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Uh, He's talking about that very life. Uh, And we know from the beginning of this chapter, eternal life is knowing God and knowing his son, Jesus Christ. Well, I'm just getting ahead of myself a little bit. Christ is in us in a, in a specific way in this text, he says that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. So here's another thing that's in us, in me, in you, and in us as a fellowship, among us as a body of Christ. And that is the love of God the Father for God the Son. That very love is in us or is to be in this prayer, in us. So the eternal love of the eternal Father for the eternal Son comes to reside in us, each of us and all of us in the fellowship of the body of Christ. So we come to possess the eternal love of God and to share it, in the union, the oneness he's talked about in this passage of the saints. So there's one, one, and one. There's uh, this love of God shared among uh, the believers in the church. And so we're talking about the eternal love of the Father for the Son. And this has been referenced several times in the book of John. In chapter 3, for example, in verse 35, Jesus said, "The Father," or John actually says this, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. So uh, this love of the Father for the Son is results in the Father uh, 
placing all things in the hands of the Son. The Son is always the agent of the Father uh, and His will. In chapter 5, verse 20, uh, we read this, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Son, as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. And that's what we've just been talking about. The Son gives life to whom he will. And this is the, the carrying out of the love of the Father for the Son. So the, the Father, uh, loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. And Jesus says, I always do exactly what I see the Father doing. And so the same way the Father raises the dead and gives life, so the Son gives life to whom he will. Uh, The Son gives life to whom he will. All of that is the consequence of the love of the Father for the Son. In uh, verse 26 of chapter 5, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. So if you ask the question, how is anything alive? Where is life? What what is the source of life? The answer is God, Father, Son. And we would say Spirit, though he's not mentioned in this text. But when God breathed, and Adam became a living soul, that breath is the very Spirit of God. Well, uh, in any case, if we went to chapter 10, John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And so the love of the Father for the Son is pictured here in the context of this eternal covenant that they have made for the redemption of humanity by the, uh, the Son laying down his life, the expression of this great love of God in the world in laying down his life and taking it up again bringing his sheep together into one uh, flock. And so he says, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. And uh, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life and take it up again. So the love of the Father for the Son uh, is involved in uh, the the very plan of redemption from eternity past. And uh, if we looked at chapter 15 then, 
chapter 15, verse 9. All right, I'm going to start with verse 8. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. (laughs) Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus lives in this uh, perfect fellowship with God the Father, abiding in his love. And the consequence of that is he perfectly obeys the Father. There's nothing he would rather do than what he sees the Father doing. He, he, this is perfect in the life of Christ at all times. And so he says to us, if you abide in my love, you will experience this same sort of thing. And so here at the end of chapter 17, he prays these things that the love with which the Father has loved the Son may be in us. And in that, Christ himself is in us. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> now, I'll, I'd like to think about the perfection of this love. You can't really grasp the perfection of this love. It's perfect. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfectly perfect love that the Father has for the Son, and this is eternal. This relationship is eternal. There never has been a time in which the Father and the Son did not live in this relationship of perfect love. And that is what we are being involved in at the end of this prayer, that this love which the Father has for the Son would be in us, and in that Christ himself is in us. The very life of Christ, which is sourced in the Father, is sourced in the Son, and is shared with us and in us in in this relationship. So how does this come to be that the love of Christ, the, the love of the Father for the Son, comes to be in us, and Christ himself comes to be in us? How did... How does the Lord make that happen? And that, we just go back up. Remember, we're going backwards through this text. We're going to go back up one phrase where, or clause, I guess I have to say, where Jesus says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them. How does Jesus share the love of God with us Well, here it is. I made known to them your name and will continue to make it known. Now, Jesus, this is the second time Jesus has said that in in verse, in this prayer, in verse 6. He says, I have manifested your name to those whom whom you gave me out of the world. So he's saying, I've revealed your name. And now he's saying, I've made known your name. Well, that's an interesting way of talking. Made known your name. What does that mean? Well, 
uh, in verse 11, the name of God is Holy Father. <laughs> and here the name of God is Righteous Father. And uh, that's, that's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> he's holy. That is, he's utterly apart. He is in a class of his own. Holy. He's distinct. And that's combined with the word father, <laughs> which is a word of relationship. And so he's holy. He's God, very God. He's only God. And he's father. And in this expression in verse 25, he's righteous and father. How does God maintain his righteousness and associate with sinners? Only in Christ, only in the sacrifice of Christ. Well, we might want to ask the question, how does Jesus make known the name of God? What it means to make known the name of God is is to reveal the true identity of God the Father, who he is, his greatness, his nature. And of course, Jesus is the very nature of God in the flesh, incarnate in humanity. He is God, very God of very God, as we read last week. And he is man made incarnate. Somehow the wholeness of God, this, the fullness was pleased to dwell in him. So he's a perfect reflection. He says to Philip, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he's manifested the name, the identity, the greatness, the nature. Christ the Son makes the Father known to his people. And he says, I will continue to make it known. Now, we want to just think about the moment in which Jesus says this. <laughs> this is the end of the great high priestly prayer. And as we read a couple weeks ago, the very next verse in chapter 18, they get up and they proceed over to the garden where Jesus is betrayed and arrested. So how is he going to continue to make known the love of the Father? Well, he's going to die. He's going to give his own life as a sacrifice for us. And then he's going to be raised. And then he's going to ascend and be crowned and to be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All of these things are demonstrations of the love of the Father in the life of the Son, to the follower, to the believer in him, to us. How is he making known the name of God? By doing these things. And then uh, we know even today he ever lives, according to the book of Hebrews, to make intercession for us. And he has, we've been told he will return for us to complete our redemption and to draw us up into the completed resurrection life that we have in him. So in all of these ways, he will continue to make known the name of the Father 
to us. But there's uh, one thing that I did not include in that list. It's right in the middle of that list. He, he will die. He will be raised. He will ascend and be seated. And then we know one, there's something that very important that will happen that makes known the name of God and especially the love of God. We can read about this in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and uh, uh, I'm going to just read verses 5 through 8. He says this, Hope does not put us to shame, because God's love, get this, God's love has been poured into our hearts. Well, that... Here Paul is saying Jesus' prayer has been answered. Jesus prays that the love of the Father for the Son would be in us. And Paul says right here, the love of God has been poured into our hearts. So Paul reports here in Romans chapter 5 that Jesus' prayer has been answered. And he says how? Has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love. Okay, so this is the name of the Father revealed, manifested, shown, made known to us. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this love is made known to us in all these ways, in the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the coronation of Christ, the intercession of Christ, where even today he stands before God on my behalf, and the promised return of Christ, where I will be caught up in the resurrection. These are all ways in which the love of God for the Son is made known to me. The name of God is made known to me. Uh, And then right smack in the middle of this, how is all of this communicated, actually communicated to a person and to the body of Christ, the church? It's the pouring out of the Spirit. <laughs> that, that's, that's what it says right here. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in the life of the Christian and in the life of the fellowship of the body of Christ, pours out the love of God in our hearts. And in all these ways, Christ makes the name of the Father known to his people. We see this also in the book of 1 John. 1 John, uh, chapter 4. This is the text uh, that was read earlier, and I just want to look again at uh, verse 12. No one has ever seen God. (laughs) 
No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Well, how do, how do we know God? If no one's ever seen God, how do we know God? In Christ, that's all. By this we know that we abide in him, he says, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. I don't know God unless he gives me his spirit. It's pretty simple. And, you know, we read a lot of this earlier. Love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. And this, the love of God, was manifest or revealed or shown or made known among us that God sent his only son into the world so that he might, we might live through him. So the life of Christ is in us. Christ in us, the love of God in us. And how do we know any of this? The Spirit of God in us communicates the love of God to us and in us. We know, the, we know God the Father in the Son and by the Spirit. That's so important. The whole triune God is involved in our redemption, in our resurrection to new life. To being alive instead of dead. We know God, the Father, in the Son and by the Spirit. And what's eternal life, Jesus says at the beginning of this prayer? This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Well, how does that happen? Only, only by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So his love comes to fill us possess us, compel us, spill out from us, and among us, Christ in us. So we possess his life, and that life is eternal life. So he says, I made known to them your name and will continue to make it known. Jesus says, come, and in his very person, in his presence among the disciples on the earth, he made known to them the very nature and character of the ever-living God. And he says, I'll continue to do so. And then he's referring to these important acts which he personally will carry out, that he will die, he will be raised, he will ascend, he will be crowned king, he will be seated at the right hand, he will send the Spirit, he will intercede for us, and he will return for us. And even now, in this present life, the love of God is communicated to our hearts, in our hearts, poured out by the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus himself sent. And so he has made known the name of God to us, and he continues to make known the name of God to us. And the love which the Father loved the Son, with which the Father loved the Son, is now in us, in the very person of the Holy Spirit. So, Christ in us. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can grasp, I think it's difficult for us to grasp, how uh, amazing and powerful it is that the very life of God in Christ and by the Spirit 
has come to dwell in you and in the fellowship of the church. I think it's our comprehension, our realization of these realities that gives us strength to face life in the world. And uh, we might ask the question, well, who is them in this text? Or these, Jesus says, these know that you sent me. I've made known to them your name. Well, I think when we say Christ in us, us is, is people who know Jesus as the one sent by God. And that's, we're going back up in the text again, that he says, these know that you sent me. So the same people that know that are the people that Christ has made known the, the name of God and the love has come to dwell in us. Who is that us? People who know that Jesus is the one sent by God. That Jesus is the one, the one and only of the Father. We recognize Jesus as the one and only of the Father, the only begotten Son, the eternal Son of God, incarnate in as man and has given his life a sacrifice for sin, been raised, ascended, all those things. And so he has revealed God to us. Us is all the people who see it, who understand that to be true. Uh, Jesus is the one and only of the Father. He's the only man who knows God and reveals God. We saw that in that text in in 1 John where, you know, John says, no one's ever seen God. (laughs) And then he goes on to tell us how we came to know God. And the same thing he says in in the Gospel of John in verse 18 of chapter 1. John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God, the one and only, the only begotten of God is the expression there, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And this is in that context of, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So the only begotten God, the only Son of God, he's made him known. And Jesus says that here in this text. He says, the world doesn't know you. Righteous Father, even though the world doesn't know you, I know you. That's another way of saying no one's ever seen God, but Jesus has. (laughs) Jesus knows God. And there's a group of people, these, he says, know that you sent me. They're the ones who recognize me as the one sent by you. And so they see the Father in the life of the Son. Uh, The world doesn't know God. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus refers to the Father as the righteous Father. That's a term of judgment. And there's a separation of people here. The world who doesn't know God, who don't recognize Christ, 
don't correctly identify Christ as the one sent by God, and these who do know that you sent me. There's a group of people who do recognize Christ. Human beings and human society in their fallen natural condition are not capable of recognizing God. Here in the person of Jesus, God himself has shown up in the history of humanity. We don't recognize him. We don't know God when we see him in our fallen, natural condition. When God shows up in person, we don't correctly identify him. They killed Jesus because he claimed to be the Son of God. That means they rejected that claim. But Jesus says, these know that you sent me. How did that come to be? Jesus made known the name of God. Uh, And so there's a group of people who don't recognize Christ to be who he is, the Son of God, Savior. And there's a group of people who do recognize Jesus for who he is, the Son of God, Savior, who see and receive the love of God in Christ. So there's a question for us, <laughs> for each one of us. Do we recognize God in the face of Christ? If you recognize God in the face of Christ, that means the Holy Spirit of God has worked in your heart and in your mind to recognize God in the face of Christ. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. And we know that the way the Father draws someone to Christ is through the Spirit. And so if the Spirit draws a person to Christ, they recognize Christ, they see God in the face of Christ, and they receive this love poured out in their hearts by the Spirit. Do you recognize Christ? It could be, as you are listening to this, that you have come to recognize Christ, in which case you simply trust in what God has provided in Christ by the sacrifice of Christ. And you know, it could be you've been trusting in that for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years even. And you know what you need? To know the love of Christ in faith. To trust in the love of God communicated by Jesus in the Spirit. And all you need is to trust in Christ. Now, I started with uh, the sense of fear and powerlessness that we often have in this world, because there are, in fact, many things for us to be afraid of in which, in the cases in which we, we can't do anything. But we who know God, who know the love of God in Christ, are in a very powerful position. We're in a position where whatever happens, we are secure. There's absolute security in the love of God in Christ. As as Romans 5 put it, this hope does not disappoint us. Our hope in Christ will be realized. And having it makes us 
courageous gives us strength and power. And so we can even minister the love of Christ in sacrificial ways to people around us. We can be an encouragement to anyone because we are operating from a position of perfect strength in Christ. Christ has communicated the name of God to us. Christ has uh, poured out the love of God in our hearts through the Spirit. Uh, And so in the fellowship of the body, we have the opportunity to encourage each other, to speak the truth in love to each other. And not just within our fellowship, but in our community, to share this blessing of the love of God in Christ. Now, we should recognize that people in the world, they're not going to see it. So we pray for them that the Spirit of God would work in them and that they would be called to the love of God in Christ. So I want you to be encouraged. You know Christ, then you're safe. You could die of uh, this virus, and you're safe in Christ. Paul says to live is Christ, to die is gain. You're better off. And you have the promise of the resurrection to eternal life. So there's nothing that can happen to you that can disrupt Christ in you, the love of God for Christ in you. That's something God does, and he doesn't undo. That's yours. So you are secure and safe, and you can live in that security. And you can be courageous and bold in your love for the people around you. That's my prayer. <laughs> and uh, that's my prayer for myself, I, you know, uh, to really comprehend the great position I'm in because I've been the recipient of the love of God in Christ and by the Spirit. Father, we thank you. Lord, I pray that uh, by the Spirit we would be more consistently aware of the goodness of your grace in Christ. Father, that uh, we would live this life out of that resurrection power, that we would understand this love. Give us a vision for this love. Help us to remember Christ and all of these things he has done to make known the love of God. Help us to be attentive to the Spirit who dwells in and among us in the fellowship of the church. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be uh, diligent, to uh, reach out to each other, to share this love. And uh, especially in this time where it's hard to be together, that, uh, Father, we would find ways to communicate this love to each other, to encourage each other with the truth of these things, uh, to always be reminded of the goodness of your grace in Christ and by the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.